Star Trek Discovery blasted off with its third season last night, but what can we expect from the show now that's leaped 930 years into the future? I'm Roger Chang, and this is your Daily Charge. With me is Michelle Paradise, co-executive producer and co-showrunner of Discovery. Welcome, Michelle. Thank you. Thanks so much for having me. I'm excited to be here. So after two seasons of exploring the nooks and crannies of the Kirk era Star Trek, Discovery catapults 950 years into the future for season three. It's a, a huge departure for the show. What can we expect to see from this big shakeup? Uh, a lot of new things. <laughs> um, the world, uh, the world that they come into, um, is very, very different than the one they left. Uh, there, it's actually 930 years ahead. So, um, what that does is it takes us, uh, just beyond, uh, all established canon. So, uh, really in terms of storytelling, it's fresh snow. It's, um, uh, we have whatever the world is that we, that we want to make of it. So, um, I think people will be excited to see, we've got some new technologies that we're going to be introducing this season. Um, uh, we've got new characters that we'll be introducing the, the world, as I mentioned, is in, uh, is in a kind of a different state and we can get into that in a second. Um, but the thing I, I do want to highlight is even as we're going 930 years ahead, and even as we're going beyond established canon, um, what is what was super important to us throughout the development of season three is to make sure that we're honoring existing canon. So uh, the the species, the relationships, all of those sorts of things that have been established um, on all of the series that came before us are things that we are continuing to honor. Uh, the technology we're continuing to honor, even as we push it forward, um, the the Federation and Starfleet, all of these things that mean so much to everyone who loves Trek, we continue to honor those. Uh, but going into the future allows us to look at these things in a new way. And so one of the things that people may find is uh, that um, species that we know from uh, series past, maybe we interact with them in a different way this season. Maybe alliances have shifted. Uh, folks are friends who didn't used to be friends or enemies who didn't used to be enemies. Uh, going so far into the future allows us to do all of those sorts of things. Yeah. And as a new co-showrunner show runner, and congrats on the promotion, uh, what changes are you bringing to the show? Oh, um, well, I don't know that I'm necessarily bringing uh, changes. It's really, I mean, I, I started in season two when I joined the show. Uh, I joined about halfway through season two um, and toward the back half of the season started working very closely with Alex anyway, uh, as we were finishing up season two. And so, uh, you know, I, I feel like I've gained a good understanding of uh, what he wants from Discovery. And, you know, as a group in season two, we were still finding um, really what is the what is the right tonal mix for this show? Uh, because, you know, any season one of a show is still kind of finding itself in that way. And I feel like in season two, we really hit our stride with that in terms of we've got the action adventure and VFX. We've got the character moments, the emotion. Uh, we've got, you know, fighting and, you know, all, all sorts of mystery and all of the elements of the show. I feel like in season two, we found the right balance. So for me coming in and working with him, it's really about uh, maintaining that kind of balance in every given episode, uh, doing what this show does so well, which is letting our actors and our directors and uh, everyone uh, in Toronto um, shine in the way that they do. And, um, you know, really just continuing to, to try and, uh, make the best possible version of track that we, that we can in the show. So, well, let's get into the show. You, you sort of teased, uh, and the trailers have shown and teased a, a grimmer future, one where the Federation doesn't necessarily exist, uh, or isn't around anymore. How does that change the dynamic of the show? And I, I know you talked about how you want to sort of stay faithful to 
the spirit of Star Trek, but but talk a little bit about the differences and how you're able to play around with that. Sure. So uh, to be clear, the Federation is still there. It's just, um, it's been uh, diminished. Uh, in, and that's something that our characters will come to discover as they go through the season and they'll, um, they'll begin to learn the reasons why that happened and the, uh, the why of that. And then the drive to bring the Federation together again, really becomes their main drive of the entire season. Uh, and, you know, when we looked at going so far ahead into the future, uh, we thought, well, what, what is, what are the big things that could have changed about this world? And, uh, that seemed like a natural place to go. Um, and it seemed like, you know, if, if we are going that far ahead, what, what do our characters have? What do they bring to this new future that makes them uniquely able to have a significant impact on this new future? And when you talk about a world where the Federation has been diminished in some way, it's, it's still out there, just so everyone is clear. It's still out there. It hasn't gone away. Um, but, uh, but if it's not as strong as it used to be, uh, you have you have um, Burnham and Saru and all of our heroes on Discovery coming from a time when the Federation was strong, when it was the bedrock of everything. And they grew up with that. And they grew up with that feeling of security and optimism and hope. And if they're coming into a world in which those things are, um, are a struggle for people, then our heroes are uniquely poised to help bring that kind of hope and bring that kind of optimism into this new future and inspire others around them. And so it, uh, it just felt like a, a great opportunity to be able to position them front and center with all of that. Got it. You know, the show has for the last two seasons, you know, wrestled with continuity and canon and making sure everything is working out and, and, and in step with previous series. But how freeing is it to get out of the constraints of canon and really kind of go, go wild, go free with, with what you really want to explore with Star Trek? Dare I say to go boldly where no one has gone before. I just did that. I totally did that. Sorry. <laughs> um, it is, uh, it has been very freeing. You know, when I, when I joined the show in season two, we were right in the middle of that, uh, uh, the, the middle part of how do we answer these questions about Pike uh, that we know from the original series? How do we answer some of these questions about Spock? Uh, why did Spock never mention having a sister? All of these sorts of things. And so that, by the way, that was really fun figuring out how all of that was going to work and how it fit into the, what was existing was really a lot of fun from a story perspective. And now being beyond that is also fun. And one of the really cool things that we've gotten to do is uh, taken, we've gotten to take relationships that had been established previously and then kind of change those up a little bit. Uh, so the, the, um, you know, the species that you might expect to be friends may not necessarily be friends in this new future or vice versa. Um, it, it allows us to explore those new relationships, uh, explore species in new ways, explore worlds in new ways. Um, so, uh, and, and to, and, and again, I do want to say that, uh, that with all of that, we are definitely honoring the canon that came before. We're not just, uh, just sticking things in a blender and tossing them all over the place We're, we've been, we've been really thoughtful about, uh, if, if we're going to play with something, how do we play with it? How do we adjust it? How do we shift up those relationships, uh, and do it in a way that, uh, will feel both familiar and new at the same time for our audience. Gotcha. Star Trek has always been a reflection of modern society. And, you know, I've asked this from season to season, but 
given the fact that, you know, there's a pandemic going on, there's a discussion about the, the role of race in America, there's climate change field disasters. You sort of take your pick of issues right now. Yeah, unfortunately. Uh, unfortunately but uh, in terms of discovery in season three, like how does discovery reflect what's going on today? Uh, well, I can answer that in a couple of ways. Um, in terms of uh, just the, the pandemic itself, Alex and I have talked about this. We we could not have imagined when we wrote and shot uh, season three of the show how much it would resonate today, because obviously no one could have uh, seen this coming uh, a year, year and a half ago uh, when we were first working on all of this. Um, thematically in season three, we're, we're looking at a lot about, um, connection and disconnection, and that's very much where the world is right now. Um, so I, I think it, it resonates quite unexpectedly, uh, just, just in terms of the stories that we're telling and the thematic resonance of those stories. Um, and then in terms of, uh, things like our, our characters, uh, you know, Star Trek has always, always valued uh, diversity. And, um, you know, Gene Roddenberry started it back on the original series, having a diverse cast at a time when uh, diversity was not the thing one did on television. Uh, so um, making sure that we uh, honor that and continue that, we're continuing that with the introduction of some new characters this season. Um, and uh, making sure that that uh, we honor those characters and those voices and that we represent those on the show is super important to us. And speaking of those characters, I mean, can you give us an update on where some of the crew, Michael Berman, Saru, where, where are they as the season begins? Sure. So when we begin the season, uh, our characters have um, are just coming through the wormhole, which is where we left them uh, in episode two fourteen last year. So they will uh, they will come through and land somewhere. I can't tell you where they will land or what they'll do when they'll get there, uh, or or we'll spoil that. Um, but I, I can tell you that uh, one of the first things they'll be looking for is did they achieve their goal? Because going through the wormhole was about saving sentient life from season two and making sure that there is sentient life in this in this new future that they've entered is uh is the first question they'll ask of course the answer is yes that's not a spoiler or we wouldn't have a season three because there would be no people um so they did achieve their goal i can tell you that and uh and then it's a and then it's a question of um who are they now and what what this new season gives us an opportunity to do is really explore all of our characters in a, in a much deeper way. You know, when they left in season two, they left everything behind. Anyone who was not on this ship that was in their orbit, uh, their family, their friends, uh, everything that was familiar to them, they left behind. And so they are very much, uh, they're a, a family unit and connected in a in a really new and much deeper way when they come into this new future, because they are all they have and, uh, and everything else was left behind. So they're kind of strangers in a strange land, figuring out, uh, this new world as they go. And, uh, and that gives us chances to learn a lot more about, uh, about who they are to challenge them in new ways, to see how each of these characters individually will grow. Uh, and some of that will come out with the new characters we introduce. Um, you know, it's, uh, this is not a spoiler. He's in the trailer. Everybody knows David Ajala is joining us this season as, uh, as book. And, you know, here's a character who has grown up in this new world, who's going to become uh, kind of a, a guide for Burnham uh, once she lands and she's in this new future. And, uh, 
and he, seeing him challenge her, we will get to learn new things about her. And uh, as our characters face unique challenges over the course of the season, we'll get to learn new things about all of them. Great. We, we saw, you know, Harry Mudd, we saw Sarah, we saw a bunch of figures from past Star Trek shows in the previous seasons in Discovery. Are Can you tease or can we expect any other of these cameos or are you just sort of breaking free from canon completely and just starting with something completely new? Well, I, I can't, I can't give anything away because that would give it away. Um, but you know, a, a lot of this season really is about, um, seeing what this new future is all about and seeing what new characters come in. Um, so, uh, you know, and, and we're 930 years ahead. So, um, there's a, there's quite a time gap there. Um, I, I do want to mention, I, I don't know if you, uh, earlier I was talking about the new characters. We also have the characters of, um, Adira and Gray who are in this season, um, Blue Del Barrio and Ian Alexander, who are just tremendous. Uh, and, and speaking to the diversity of it all, when we talk about, um, uh, diversity on camera, that's, uh, they, they are also representative of that as, uh, non-binary and transgender in real life. And then also being, um, a non-binary and a transgender character, uh, uh, on camera as well with these characters that they represent. So, um, that all of that has been very, very important to us. That's, that's great. Um, in terms of the you know, the tech, obviously, seen at the tech site. I want to talk about the tech? Uh, you, you, I love seeing it, by the way. That's that's great. We love that you love seeing um, <laughs> that. <laughs> uh, talk a little bit about that. What, like, what, what are some of the interesting facets of tech you're looking to explore this season? Because there were a lot of fascinating concepts you played with in previous season, like the Spore Network. Obviously, the time travel was a big deal last year. What what uh, what tech can we sort of see you guys embrace for this next season? Uh, there is some new tech that we will explore this season. Um, I, I hesitate to say only because I don't want to give it away, but, um, but I will say that, uh, again, in the tradition of honoring what has come before and then also pushing that forward, um, there are, uh, there are some new tech, uh, elements that we will see this season. Um, you know, the, the ways in which people interact with their ships might be a little bit different. Um, you know, Certainly, uh, there would have been evolution in uh, the, the technology we use, the things we hold, the things we interact with on ships, all of those sorts of things. And you'll start to see uh, some of those things right away in the premiere episode of season three. So there have been a wave of sci-fi shows that you know ground themselves in hard science. I'm just curious if that's something you consider with Star Trek, which kind of plays a little bit fast and loose with with tech and like how real some of that tech is. But like, is that, is that something you guys are considering or something you thought about for season three or maybe beyond? Um, it's something that we've absolutely done. Uh, and I, I, you know, I can't speak to, um, uh, to the seasons when I wasn't here, but, uh, we have, uh, we have a science consultant, Dr. Erin McDonald. Um, she is fabulous. She is an astrophysicist and, um, some, uh, some, uh, audience members might be familiar with her. She's, um, she does a lot of, uh, Star Trek events and things like that, where she talks about the science of Star Trek and, we work very, very closely with her on all of these things. And so if we have a science or tech thing that we want to do, you know, as, as writers, we'll just make it up and play in the sci-fi realm. And we rely on her to help us, um, 
tailor that to make it something that obviously these things are not possible right now, but we want to get them as close to future possible as we can. So she helps us with all of that. She gives us, you know, how many kilometers per second is something going, you know, all of these sorts of things uh, she helps us with. Um, so yeah, for sure. We, we know that a lot of uh, actual scientists watch the show and we don't want anyone watching the show and going, oh man, that's insane. So Aaron helps us with that. Got it. Well, um, you know, I asked this for most of the folks who who deal with this show. I haven't had a chance to ask you, so I'll ask. In, in terms of the tech that's available in Star Trek, uh, what which which bit of tech would you like to see in real life, which which you could actually see yourself using? Oh my gosh, um, transporter. I would love to have a transporter, but I w- I would want it to be a transporter that wouldn't just take me from here to the grocery store, but I, I would want a transporter that could take me to, uh, to visit my loved ones or, uh, to go someplace else, especially now, since we, you know, it's very tricky to get on planes and, uh, you know, do things like that. I, I would, uh, I would want to, I would want a transporter. Yeah. That that's a good one. Uh, especially nowadays, a transporter yeah. would be, you can get around TSA and airplanes in general. Totally. You know, like that's, yeah. I just, That's I funny. just need that pad built in the living room. You just walk into it and you <laughs> go wherever you want to go. <laughs> um, yeah, uh, that, that's it for me. I would just say in terms of guest stars, I know it's, it's 930 years in the future, but a uh, Q is not, you know, he doesn't age. He's pretty much moral. <laughs> just, just saying, just throwing it out there for you. Casey shows up. <laughs> okay. Hold it down. <laughs> awesome. Okay. Okay. <laughs> well, Michelle, thank you for your time. Really appreciate it. Season three of Star Trek Discovery premieres on Thursday. Yeah, thank you so much. And uh, thank you, everyone, for watching. Hope you enjoy the show. It's, uh, we think it's going to be fun. Hope you do, too. You can read my story on Star Trek Discovery's wildly different third season on CNET.com. If you have any questions, hit us up on Twitter at The Daily Charge. And if you'd like to receive direct text messages from me, text 646-461-4291 to sign up. Also, please subscribe and rate the show. It really helps us out. For The Daily Charge, I'm Roger Chang. Thanks for listening.